What's up, guys? Welcome to the MMA On Point live chat. How's it going? What is up? You guys know me. I am the owner of the channel. I guess both channels because we're on the Extras channel now. Welcome to the Extras channel. Thank you for following us. And we have the pre prestigious Pizzi Carroll. <laughs> Uh, welcome to the PT's Pigskin Podcast produced by P3 Protein. I think that's the thing that we're going with. Although that's not true. We are not <laughs> sponsored by P3, but had to go with it. There it is. Yeah, let's see that form again. Let's show, let's show you that spiral, that beautiful spiral. Oh my God. Yeah, the Pete's Quarter mile. It's coming. It's coming. That podcast is coming. <laughs> you can throw it clear over the mountains. Um, well, so uh, yeah, how's it going for you, Pete? you've had a... a, a I don't know. How would you describe your week so far? You've had an interesting week, right? Yeah, I think uh, our country's remaining locked down until July. We've now had the longest lockdown in Europe. So very exciting in Ireland, basically. <laughs> so stoked about that. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, we've got our buddy Lawton here running the show behind the scenes, who's been working. At, let's get everybody at home. Give him a hand. We, we worked from 8 a.m. till 12 a.m. working on uh, Balian's new uh, breakdown piece. Yes. So yes. That, was, that was a nice tag team thing. It's we also lot. had the autopsy. We had the fight companion. And then it's yesterday, a... you worked till about midnight again <laughs> yep. working on the Composes <laughs> Corner piece. So uh, massive shout out. Everyone it's give this a, guy uh, a slow clap. It's been a, the longest, quickest four days of my life. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just about to throw some more fire on that. that uh, throw some more wood on that fire later on this week, I believe. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh... <laughs> it's, it's, it's coming back full steam Friday. So, no, it's been good, I'd though. I'd say you hate pay-per-views. I'd say you're like, fuck this Ooh. card. Every time there's a title on the line, you're like, I fucking hate this. It's like, why does the UFC do so many events? Damn. Yes. Yeah, like... So I've already said it, you know, Lawton's getting tomorrow off and he's going to get the weekend off. So we're going to try to do our best to work on your new piece on Friday. But uh, speaking of which, so announcement time. I don't think I've told anybody about this on our live chats. My visa has officially been approved to move to the UK. So we're looking at building a studio and everything. It looks like we triangulated where we're going to be. We're this close to signing um, at the place that we're going to be at. I don't want to provide any details about where it is or anything like that as of now but uh just to give you guys a heads up and so that means our next fight companion may be in person i'm gonna go over and visit and try to look at places to stay and things like that in the next couple of weeks and that might coincide for april 24th so just a heads up there announcement time wanted to let you guys know about it it's a big move for us big move for me personally we've been doing this channel for god almost four years now we started in april of 20 no august rather of uh it's about to be april august of 2017 so i mean time flies doesn't it so did you did the launch of this channel coincide with maymac yes and that that was our big break was actually um i made a video talking about the knockdown of poly malignaggi that was our big one Ooh. it hit like three hundred thousand. did views. it or did it not happen yeah, exactly. So I went with yes, and luckily most of the people who watched that video tended to agree. Uh, but yeah, that was basically what it was. And then Tom made a video where he actually found five boxers, including Evander Holyfield, that believed he could uh, actually beat Mayweather. And uh, wow. so it made for an incredibly entertaining video, and that hit like a million views by the night of that fight so i mean it was it was very very lucky for us to have started in that month i think if it was any other month it probably wouldn't have started off that well but it was still a slow climb that was like the initial burst and then it was just like we still had to you know grind our way for the next few months but 
yeah so there it is um but uh there's there's the uh big announcement the studio is moving forward my move is moving forward and uh we're going to be trying to do all kinds of crazy things like have pt come out through part of the week have Balian, uh, who you guys know that just did the breakdown, has done some of the videos. And then Tommy Toehold will do a face reveal. Okay, probably not, but that would be <laughs> great. <laughs> so with that with that being said, um, you know, enough about the announcements and who the hell no one cares that we are. Uh, we're going to go ahead and move it on to the Kumite segment. So we got a bunch of things here. The big news this week, of course, <laughs> is Nate Diaz being uh, signed to fight uh, Leon Edwards. So... Why don't you go ahead and kick us off there? Yep. All right. So if you guys are familiar with this, um, we are going to rattle off kind of five topics with some backstory and a question slash opinion. Uh, you guys in the chat are going to put Jason or PT, whoever should take the first minute of their kind of quick rapid fire topic. So <clears throat> right now, go ahead and put your votes in for PT or Jason. And we've got the first headline of Diaz versus Edwards. So, obviously, that came out of literally nowhere. So, what is your reaction to this announcement about this fight? So, that's kind of what we're going to start off the day with, talking about that. So, let's hop over to the chat. I kind of read that quick, so it might take a second to catch up. Oh, actually, wow. Pizzi, I think they're feeling Pizzi bad for you since wins. you're uh, still in lockdown, honestly. <laughs> you are smoking, oh, Jason. Yep, that is 100% going to you, Pizzi. So, Congratulations, you might never be able to leave your house again, but you get to start <laughs> off the Kumite Crunch today. So you got one minute on the announcement of Diaz versus Edwards and what your reaction is. You ready? Yes. All right, one minute starting now. This is the most MMA booking of all time. Leon Edwards was on an eight-fight win streak. He got three fights with Hamzat Shumayev, a guy that wasn't ranked, canceled, he goes in and fights Bel Al Muhammad, and it ends in the worst way possible for him based on his A-fight streak. And somehow, he's rewarded with a fight with Nate Diaz. These are the fights he's been calling out for two or three years, and then suddenly he gets it for absolutely no apparent reason. It's amazing, though. The reason why it's amazing is if Leon needs something, it's a big name value. And, and the thing that Nate brings that not a lot of people bring in the UFC at all is that huge superstardom. He has a cult following. And if Leon can make an impression on the fans against Nate Diaz, that gets him exactly where he needs to be. It puts him right into that title picture where he's yearned to be for so long. On the flip side, Nate Diaz gets to come in and, and beat and one of the top welterweights in the world. And if he wins that fight, there's no doubt about it. He's one of the most marketable fights in the division immediately. I wouldn't be surprised if he got a title shot straight away. So it works for everyone. It works for the UFC, for Leon and Nate. Happy days. Cool. <laughs> All right, <laughs> I love the I love the happy days right that at the closer, end. Yeah, and the menacing <laughs> smile right after it, the uh, right. haunting smile. Cool, good, good thoughts, Pizzi. All right, Jason, moving to you, Diaz versus Edwards. Give us your thought. You got one minute starting now. By all conventional terms, this is a weirder shit fight, isn't it? It just totally came out of nowhere. I don't think anybody was talking about this being rumored or anything. It must have come together really quickly. This will be the first five-round co-main event in UFC history, so it's also breaking ground in that way. I think it's a win-win for the UFC in a bunch of different ways. A, just like you said, Leon Edwards, if he gets a win over Nate Diaz, he gets that star power, he gets that rub, and then all these people that have been saying he needs this title shot, he also now has an incentive for the UFC to make that fight happen with whoever that is. For Nate Diaz, what happens for him is if he wins, 
And at the however unlikely it may be, if Jorge Masvidal wins, we get this massive rematch now with an actual real title, not just a BMF title behind it. So it could be a really, really big fight Ten for seconds. the UFC in terms of making money. Of course, Usman, it wouldn't hurt there either, but I think they would probably thrust Nate Diaz into that. My money is, of course, on Leon Edwards here. Wow. Yeah. I'd just like to say that Maybe a lot of people weren't talking about it, but this guy right here was talking to Leon Edwards about it two months ago. So, the you Oracle. Really? You can now call me the Oracle. Wait, no, no. Let me. Uh, how did that conversation go, Mister Oracle? <laughs> well, you can just jump on Twitter there and see the the clip that's that's being shared out vigorously since the announcement, if you'd like. It has seven likes. <laughs> like what clip? What clip is he talking about? <laughs> vigorously by those seven people we didn't say the vigor yeah. meant but they, quantity you should have seen the way they the way they hit the button was vigorous that's what i was <laughs> yeah, trying they to say they were just like Ugh. yes because it was my family member so i saw them literally <laughs> pressing the button. <laughs> oh my god well um yeah congratulations to you i think it's a bigger win for you than even the fighters in this case so uh yeah Winner there we learn. go all right. Good shit. Well, we are moving on to the second headline for the Kumite Crunch. So same thing, chat. Put your uh, vote in the chat right now for Jason or Pizzi. We've got the headline welterweight. So what happens now with the top unmatched fighters at welterweight in the aftermath of these two money bombs going off in the division? Jorge is fighting for the title and Diaz against the number three guy in Edwards, obviously. So... That's kind of what we're talking about right now. So let's jump again to the chat, see where the votes are. My thing is loading slowly again, as always. That's what she said. See, we got two oh, tied right now. Jason's got the lead. Let's give it a few more seconds. See if we can get any. I think we need to change the rules on these going forward. Like, whoever wins the first time, it automatically goes to the other one. Because I feel like it's obligatory. If PT wins the first one, everybody's like, oh, we'll give it to Jason this time. So then it's a Own real Own the vote. channel, change the rules. Own the channel, change the rules. You know? Sorry, no box office. Yeah, man. He's um, got a- well, it is. <laughs> it is. The, that is a fact. I'm glad that you've uh, appreciated the pecking order here, and you'll do as you're told. So there you go. As, as Connor said to that random guy who was bringing out the bag of money at the Mayweather press conference to go back to that, saying that's when the channel started. I guess it's just in my mind. Do as you're told, bitch. So there we go. <laughs> well, we are going to give it to you because it was about tied, but we're just going to give it to you because the comments are coming in a little slow. So, Jason. Fight the power, people. Fight the power. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jason, you got one minute. Thoughts on the welterweight and what happens. So, you got one minute starting now. Yeah, this is a weird place for the division to be in. Uh, exactly that. It's been two money bombs thrown into the division and just totally changed how the rankings work. Eight-fight win streak for Leon Edwards. Now he's up against Nate Diaz, who is not on a streak whatsoever right now. And is really a 155-er. It's very strange. But what I do think makes the most sense right now, I've already said this on Twitter for people who follow me there, you have to make Colby versus Wonderboy. I think it's the fight that makes the most sense. They're two guys that shouldn't be on the shelf for as long as they have been already, even though it hasn't been quite that long. But we're talking about if they wait for these guys, we're talking seven, eight months for each of them. Let's keep the division active and let's keep it moving forward. And that is the next person who would be in line potentially after Diaz versus Leon Edwards. More so for Leon Edwards' case. I think he deserves the title shot already. So I think we go with that. And then we probably do Gilbert Burns 
maybe up against, uh, I don't know, maybe Michael Chiesi. He won't fight Vicente Luque. They're like practically brothers, you know. So that was what I would go with. That's how we solve it. Cool. All right. Beatsy, same topic. Welterweight. What's going on? You got one minute starting now. I kind of get the feeling that Colby Covington has played himself here. Because he refused the Leon Edwards fight. And now with Leon facing Nate, he has this opportunity to go on and make a huge impression in the sport and maybe skip the queue. I think we talked about it before, Jay. We thought Colby was holding it out because he thought that no matter what happened in that title fight, he would be the obvious fight coming out of it because he has the story with Usman, because he has a story with Jorge Masvidal. But I feel as though this whole Nate Leon thing could have obscured that. Um, Gilbert Burns... Um, and Wonderboy might make sense. I mean, these are guys that need to fight. We need to see Wonderboy fighting. He's another guy like Edwards who's been plaguing for a fight. He's been dying for one. He keeps asking for the top contenders. So they really need to sort that out for him. But I think the, the, the biggest story there will be Ten what happens seconds. to Colby. Have the UFC finally got fed up with this guy not fighting the top contenders and sitting it out? It's going to be very interesting for me how that plays out, to be honest. Hmm. Cool. I think I like the Colby fight for Wonderboy a bit more just because they're both on win streaks. Gilbert obviously just lost, so it's a big move for Kiesa, but it should be a good fight for Gilbert Burns, who has way better ground credentials than somebody like Kiesa. I think that's why I'm leaning for those, but you could mix and match that in any way if you wanted. Absolutely, but I was just wondering, the fact that Colby said no to Leon, I think we both agree that Wonderboy is a bigger name than Leon Edwards right now, Mm. but... Is it big enough for Colby? Because I think from his um, perception, no matter what happens in that title fight, he has to go next. So will would he take the Wonderboy fight, do you feel, if he was offered it? Um, I feel like he would resist it. Uh, the thing that mm. I like about it for him, so if I were to look at it from his team's side and from his own personal interest side of it, it should be a very winnable fight for him. You know, I would yeah. probably favor him in that fight. It's something classic. Take him to the ground. And, you know, Woodley only tried to take him down like one time. And he was able to get him down in the, uh, you know, the back-to-back fights with Wonderboy. And, uh, yeah, I think it's there for him. Wonderboy, though, when I interviewed him, was just like, I'm going to destroy this dude's body. He, he was like, I'm not worried about the takedown whatsoever. I'm training uh, wrestling like crazy right now. And uh, I have more in my back pocket than people think I do. So I want to see him try that out. Like, actually, if you go back and watch our video, shout out to (laughs) our own content here. But if you watch him, the way he talks about Colby, (laughs) I think that's the least nice Wonder Boy there's ever been, the way he talks about Colby. Maybe um, if they do book that fight, or maybe we should just do this anyway, release like the full, unedited, uncut version of him talking about him for about five minutes or so. He's not very kind to Colby and he's kind to everybody you know it's like why you gotta be so mean man to like Woodley and all that stuff uh I think there's a lot of heat behind that fight that um a lot of people are underestimating that would come out if it were books so I think it's good for Colby because it's a style matchup for him that should work out really well for him and Wonderboy seems to think he likes his odds in that fight too so I think it's a good matchup I'm sold you've sold me on it why not Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on it. I'm on it. Cool. All right. <clears throat> we are going to move it on to our third headline. We got, uh, okay, so same thing again. Or wait, no, are we starting? The, are we implying the new rule? No, no, no. We'll apply it next time. Okay, okay. So we're still going to vote for these last three topics. Next week, we'll kind of change it up uh, just to keep the flow a little smoother. So chat, same thing. Votes in the comments right now. 
Jason, PT, who should take this next headline of Vittori versus Holland. So, reportedly, both guys have accepted, but nothing appears to be official just yet. Is this the right fight to make, or should Vittori wait for Till? So that's what we're going to kind of talk about. So, hop it back to the chat. Good to see you, Nicola. JTVo, as always. I see you guys right now. Um, ooh, Jason is actually leading this charge. This is bullshit. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Jason is going to take this one. So, sweating is horseshit. With sweating is horseshit. So, Jason, <laughs> he got one minute headline Vittori versus Holland. Should he wait, or is this okay if they um, actually both accepted? So, you got one minute starting now. Yeah, obviously the biggest upside here is for Kevin Holland. Kevin Holland had a heavily criticized performance only just a couple of weeks ago, and it looks really kind of uh, bad on his end where he's left the taste in fans' mouths. So I think it's a really good opportunity for him to jump in. Vittori, there's definitely way more risks. I, I think on his side of things... He's looked better than he's ever looked before. He's on a real surge in the division. He's the one guy to actually win a round over Isra Adesanya outside of Gastelum in the past few years, uh, which is a huge coup for him. So I think what probably happens here is Kevin Holland pushes for it. Vittori is okay to accept it, maybe publicly, but behind the scenes, I don't know how that looks. I don't know why it's not signed because... I don't know. What are we waiting for here? But I think it's a great matchup. I think it's a great consolation. This is the first fight on ABC. They need a big name. Kevin Holland is about the best you can do on short notice. He's already accepted it. So I hope they do it. Cool. Land the plane in a minute. Bada boom. All right. <clears throat> Pizzi, same thing. One minute, Vittori versus Holland. Give us your thoughts starting now. I just want to say before we get into Vittori v. Holland, um, what about Vittori's misfortune over the last 18 months? I think the guy has had seven fights canceled. Seven fights just pulled out from underneath him. And then the fights he's had, like against Hermanson, he came in on short notice. So he's very familiar with the situation that Kevin Holland will come into. I do agree with Jason that this is a perfect opportunity because I felt Holland took a big knock in that performance against Brunson. A lot of criticism. A lot of people didn't like the way he was talking or whatever while the fight was going down. I personally didn't mind that. I just thought he got beat emphatically. But the thing I'll say is, I think Vittori has a very similar skill set to Brunson. And I think it's impossible for me to say, like, in this short amount of time, Holland's going to go go in and do a number on someone seconds. like Vittori. Like we said it when Masvidal fought Usman. It's a win-win situation for Masvidal. I don't think this is a win-win situation for Kevin Holland unless he has his hand raised. So... Difficult task for Holland, I'd say. Hmm. Cool. Yeah, he's going to have to go for broke in a fight like that, I think. like He's really going to have to try to score that knockout. And to be fair, he was trying it against Derek Brunson. There were a couple moments where, like I remember yeah. he was walking against the cage with his arm down, and then he would just like surge in with a huge right hand. Derek Brunson would just read it from a mile away. So easier said than done. But yeah. But I'll say, yeah, the thing is, like, the thing that's crazy, right? We know that when you're taking a fight on short notice, you don't have time to fester on it. It doesn't take over your mind. You can't really procrastinate about it. Mm. But athletically, you can't be 100% on those short notice fights. And if Vittori mm. wasn't 100% against Hermanson, God help Kevin Holland because he looked outrageous that night. And yeah. Hermanson is one of the most underrated fighters in the division as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely, yeah. And then Derek Brunson, as a result, it's like, when are people finally going to start giving him his credit after these two? I mean, he prospect squashes that he's had. These, I love that. 
Yeah, I love that. I love that for him because, I mean, everybody remembers the Israel Adesanya loss, but I think he's a smarter fighter than he was back then. I mean, you go back to like when he was on this win streak of just KOing people back to back, like the um, Uri Hall one, uh, for instance, that was in the string of all these different knockouts that he had had. I think it was about three or four different knockouts back to back. And then um, he's kind of smartened up his game since then. And I think he, that was towards the tail end of that with Israel Desanya. I think he's a much better fighter than he was back then. And you're seeing it because he's killing absolute killers. <laughs> you know, like he just is. Um, great wording on my part there. But uh, but he's like, I love that when a guy like him, like the UFC, when they make those matches with him and Shabazian and, you know, him versus Kevin Holland, they're basically saying without saying like, we're going to use you to build this guy's name. Mm. And then he goes in and, you know, has his way with these two guys. It's an amazing story. It's him raging against the machine in a way. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm still here. And and I think they should keep matching him like that against upcoming prospects yeah. because it's a narrative onto itself now. And it's really intriguing for nerds like me who just mull over the fight game all day long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. Absolutely crushing people out there. But yeah, great stuff. So. Cool. All right. Moving it on to our fourth headline. So, again, who should take this one? Jason, Pizzi, put it in the chat right now. We got the headline of Pitbull versus Sanchez. So, Bellator's most prestigious champion and double champion is putting his featherweight title on the line against Emmanuel Sanchez in a rematch stemming back all the way to 2018. Do you see Sanchez being able to turn the tide this time? So that's kind of the final thought question that's that we're going to go. That's not how I that question. Hmm? All the way to three years ago. Come on. I yeah, didn't so, say that. Oh, I was, okay. Lon's over here. I try to make it not. He's trashing my shit. <laughs> I'm trashing. They fought each other in 1958, see? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All the way back to 1958. So I try to make it a little more personable. So I'm not just reading a script. You're so, so personal. Yeah, good job. To the chat. Who we got? We got. Four for Jason, four for Pizzi, two for me. <laughs> so, go on, Lot. Dude, no, this is, this is not the question for me at all. Uh, <laughs> Pizzi just took the lead with five, so we are going straight to you, Pizzi. There we go. <laughs> so, it's good to be back. It's good to be back. All right, Pizzi. I thought you hated me. <laughs> <laughs> you finally, you got, was two in a row, you lost, and you're back, baby, you're back. Hey, hey, let's not get, get into the stats, Lot, all right? Relax. <laughs> let, let it happen. Quick, go, go quit emphatically like his last status on on Twitter. Yeah, quick, help him, help him. <laughs> I want to see eight likes when I get out of this shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Pizzi, one minute. Pitbull versus Sanchez. Do you think he can turn the tide? You got one minute starting now. In short, no, I don't think Emmanuel Sanchez can turn the tide. Like I, I think if if you aren't excited about Patricio Pitbull, you need to get excited. This guy is one of the greatest fighters in the world. He should be right in that top five pound per pound list combined with all promotions. What this guy has done between 145 and 155 is absolutely amazing. Like he he's he's knocked out the dude that's fighting for the UFC lightweight title, and he's the champion at featherweight and lightweight. You know, that that's pretty incredible. And time after time, we see him match with these guys, up and comers, like he did with Pedro Cavallo recently. A lot of people are kind of doing that revisionist history of Cavallo like he wasn't a threat. This guy was just killing prospects before he got to uh, prospects and veterans before he got to Patricio. And then Patricio just basically one punch KO'd him. The guy is outrageous. He's must see TV. 
I think him versus AJ McKee is the fight we all want to see. But of course, I'm going to watch. I think he's amazing. And Emmanuel Sanchez, I think he might get finished this time as, a, as opposed to it going to a decision. Mm. Wow. All right. Switching over to you, Jason. Give us your thoughts. Can Sanchez turn to tide? No. One minute starting <laughs> now. You tell me what to do. I run this shit. Uh, no, so, um, yeah, I actually went back and watched the first Emmanuel Sanchez fight. Um, it's one of the most underrated fights of 2018. It absolutely is. Sanchez, outside of him and Vichel, has hasn't lost. So I'm looking at his record here since 2015. Guys had a hell of a tear. And if you watch that first round... Dude, he almost KO'd Pitbull. He straight up almost KO'd him. And all the way to the fifth round, he was throwing spinning heel kicks. And he was a bit more gassed than Pitbull. And Pitbull really did start to take over, bloodying him up. But he's dangerous. He's super dangerous. I definitely do think he has a shot here. Of course, I'm picking Pitbull on this one. But I think it's a fantastic matchup. It's just another matchup in their featherweight Grand Prix. So we still got... All these other matchups out there like AJ McKee, who's looking phenomenal. I think it's very exciting. It's a great, great card. And uh, yeah, I'm very excited about this fight, actually. It happens on Friday. Um, so showtime. There it is. Showtime. Cool, cool. All right, y'all. We are going to move it on to the fifth headline that will wrap up the Kumite Crunch. Same thing, chat. Last one, I believe it is two to two. If I remember correctly, so this is the tiebreaker. So two, two. Jason or Pizzi, put it in the chat. This is for all, all the marbles, as they say. So we got the headline: Poirier versus McGregor three. So reports came out yesterday that this fight is nearly official for <laughs> July 10th International Fight Week. Traditionally, now Connor is calling for a McGregor belt to be made for this fight. We knew oh. it was coming. So what are your thoughts? on this one so that's kind of what we're doing let's jump to the chat oh jason jason pizzi has got Pizzi. oh yep it, it was just i think you won by two votes on this one i was i was keeping you yeah. know count here i'm very <laughs> i can't very you i need an independent adjudicator if i'm gonna believe these statistics to be honest <laughs> but, uh, thank you all right pizzi start off the final topic poirier mcgregor three give us your thoughts on everything that goes with it you got one minute starting now I mean, this McGregor belt thing, if, I mean, it's even hard for us to talk about it because it's the type of thing that absolutely no other fighter in the UFC would be allowed to make it happen. Like, I know we had the BMF title, but that wasn't the Jorge Masvidal title. I know it's probably gone on to take that name, but no other fighter on the UFC roster could ask for something like this and get it. So I don't know if he's going to get it, but I wouldn't rule it out as ridiculous as it sounds. What like what happens when if Dustin Poirier wins? Oh, he is the Conor McGregor champion. What? <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean the fight is great for International Fight Week. Um, despite I think hardcore fans kind of feeling there has been a conclusion drawn in that fight in their last fight with the calf kick KO. Um, <laughs> I think uh, a lot of people be interested. It'll bring a lot of casual Ten eyes. So seconds. it makes sense. Um. I don't know anything about Connor's preparations at the moment. I think he's in Dubai or somewhere like that. But, um, yeah, looking forward to seeing it again. You'd have to put your money on Poirier. Nice. Great stuff. All yeah, right. it was a calf kick, Kano. I'm glad you called it right. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's good. <clears throat> yes, good. yes. Separated him from his senses. It's <laughs> <laughs> wonderful. All right, Jason, one minute. Poirier McGregor 3 and the McGregor belt. Give us your thoughts starting now. Yeah, I... 
I'm just going to say now, I think this would be the worst selling McGregor pay-per-view since probably 189, which isn't bad. It's still fucking phenomenal. That was estimated at <laughs> 900,000 buys, but it might be the first one that he does under a million buys uh, for quite a long time. Um, what was that? Uh, 2015 now? Jesus, has time flown by. Uh, so I think it'll sell quite a bit worse because, I mean, honestly, like, why is this the fifth question on here? I guarantee you half the people are complaining that we're even talking about it right now. People are not into this fight. They're just not. And I think it will be an exciting fight. I think the McGregor fans always be there as they always are. But I think Poirier has options right now. And I get that it's a money fight. It might sell a few hundred thousand more pay-per-views, which is nothing to scoff at. That's a lot of money. But I don't think it means what it used to mean. And it's on Connor to prove us all wrong right now. He's on a skid and he needs to prove that he really is championship level now. Cool. All right. I'd like to read uh, two comments that I thought were funny. Clayton Martin said, come on, PT. His calf was a balloon. I thought that was pretty <laughs> was. funny. And then Zach Batista said, McGregor lost to an illegal calf kick. Obviously. It's legal. I mean, ban, <laughs> unless an Irish man has a belt around his waist, ban every technique that makes him lose a fight. <laughs> I think everyone's all right with that. I think everyone agrees. Me and Dana talked on the phone. He said, I completely agree with you, mate. That's what he said. <laughs> we got to level the playing field, right? <laughs> he wasn't motivated for the fight, but he was. That's what Dana White has said to me. And he's been pretty clear about that, you know? Yeah. Before I the mean, fight, he said he was motivated and said after. He's been very clear about that. I mean, it was just that goddamn Manny Pacquiao constantly calling him and saying, don't prepare for that fight. Justin Poirier isn't good. And he was like, oh, yeah. And then that happened. The illegal calf kick. Disaster for the sport. I love you pointing out the absurdity of that. It's like, Poirier is now the Conor McGregor champion. Because <laughs> if you name it the <laughs> McGregor belt, like, what the fuck is that? It doesn't make any sense. Poirier he is, is now the former Conor interim lightweight champion and the current Conor McGregor champion. <laughs> So does that mean he gets all of um, the claims that Connor's had towards being the pound for pound goat of all time? Yeah, I mean, well, I think I, I don't know about that because Connor clearly is the greatest fighter who's ever walked the earth. That's so right. That's right. It's gonna. It's gonna Amen. be hard Amen, to brother. <laughs> I don't know. It's a weird one. I mean, I I really. I don't know. It's hard to gauge, but I would say from the hardcore fans that there is just so much less interest in this one like i feel like everyone's what? kind of rolling their eyes at it what, what is going to be the ridiculous talking point ahead of this one because the last one was the yacht what how does he <laughs> one up the yacht how is he gonna arrive in a fucking like helicopter and just stay in the helicopter all week just floating over everyone this is where i'm staying <laughs> hey man he's motivated this time um <laughs> Well, I do want to point out before we move on, maybe we could jump back into the DS stuff um, versus Leon Edwards just a little bit. But I do want to point out that this Bellator card is flying way too under the radar for how good it is. Um, <coughs> some of it, I mean, it's uh, it's a bit on that prospects level, but Usman Nurmagomedov, 11-0, and 0, you know, obviously relation to Nurmagomedov, uh, Habib, as everyone um Everyone knows who that is. Neiman Gracie versus Jamin Jackson. Neiman Gracie is one of the real um, true successors to the Gracie family that's actually doing some great stuff uh, in MMA right now. He's had some tough losses. I mean, he's only had that one loss. What was that? It was to Rory, right? Uh, it was a great fight up until that happened. He held his own in that fight. Um, and then uh, where, where is the the big one? Actually, he's on the prelims, dude. Uh, Magomed Magomedov is on this card. Um, yeah, 
17 1 and 0 and he's got the the trilogy that we would all hope to see down the line with Jan, right? Or am I just I mean, making that up? Nobody wants to see that. <laughs> How could you people not? People who were like people who were there that night in ACB thought Jan won that fight. You know what I mean? Like that's why I felt like it was immortalized in the lead up to this uh Aljo fight where the only loss of Pyotr Jan's career, he struggled greatly against Magomed Magomedov's takedowns. And you're like, yeah, but he, he probably like I mean he has an argument that he won the fight as well, and it was how many years ago? So, um, twenty sixteen. Yeah, I don't know. I felt like a lot of people made a lot more of that. Um, like I, I've even talked to officials who are like, "That was a joke decision. It should have been done again." Nobody understands how this happened. There was something controversial that happened in the last round of that fight. I think a point was taken from Piotr Jan for something, and that basically cost him the fight. And it, it just felt felt very wrong mm-hmm. by everyone was uh watching the fight and especially some officials i spoke to after the fact judges who were like the point taken was absolutely ridiculous mm. and i think even some of the rounds they were debatable so yeah that's my two cents on that even still though you know just to have that attached to your name and you're on the bellator prelims i feel like that's kind of a miss i feel like he should be on the main card absolutely because i mean they could build that guy up if he wins oh, this fight Cole. yeah should be singing it you know, like he should be telling everybody. <laughs> That's a big, big, big name to have on your prelims. Um, coming. And imagine how good it would be for them if Chandler wins a lightweight title, oh. and they're like, "Well, our guy." Sorry, we've got champions at one. A guy who was not even contending for the belt at one thirty-five. The bet you're uh, a guy who held your belt, and then you're a lightweight champion. Yeah, our featherweight and lightweight champion beat him as well. That's a big so night. And then if, if 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 Vadim Nemkov goes in and beats either Johnson or Romero from that division, like it, it's just it's all very good optics for Bellator. Yeah, yeah, I think um, it, it feels like it's flying under the radar way too much. I've not hardly heard anybody on my timeline talking about it on Twitter or anything like that. Not a whole lot of people have been talking about it. So I did want to put a bit of emphasis on there. And if anybody wants to talk about that, let me know. But. Yeah, I guess kind of bringing it back to that headline uh, thing about Nate Diaz for, versus um, Leon Edwards. So, what what did you say on Twitter, by the way? Because I am curious about that. You you saw it's this coming? Leon, it's a clip of Leon talking about it because I asked him two months ago. Oh. Um, with Diaz, I was like, uh, one of the guys who could do everything for you that isn't in the conversation right now is Diaz, and huh. and I think I agree with Leon on this. On paper, he's an easier fight for him than anyone really there in that top cluster like Colby, Usman or Masvidal like I mean Masvidal's beaten Diaz like it's an easier fight for Leon than any of those dudes and it does it may be more emphatically get his name out there because it is Diaz a cult icon within the sport I think- and he basically said it's, it's easy I think it, like him or Colby is the easiest fight I don't know if I agree with that and he said it, it will be an entertaining fight because he's a striker we can go in there and we can strike and we can put on a show so that's how I feel it will go. I think it's going to be two lads slugging it out. Yeah. Oh, so, like, I, I mean, I guess, I mean, it would have to be on the feet that, I mean, Diaz ha- obviously has great jiu-jitsu, but we've seen Leon Edwards look really good against the likes of Gunnar Nelson. Um, you know, Cowboy, I wouldn't necessarily put on the level of Diaz uh, on the grounds, but I don't know. It felt like he should have gone for that when they did fight to, you know, make a throwback to Diaz versus Cerrone. But, and against Dos Anjos, right? Like, there was moments there where yeah. Leon was, was dominating the passages on the ground. That's all huge. Like, the Gunnar Nelson thing, I can remember him before he fought Gunnar. He was like, trust me, like, I'm not afraid of the ground at all against Gunnar Nelson. No. I was like, okay, Leon. 
okay Leon <laughs> we'll see about that buddy and then sure enough every time I went to the ground he was always in control never felt like he was in trouble like and Cerrone like is a great catch submission artist like I don't think he has the all-around grappling uh, of, of some of these guys but he's amazing at catching subs like mm. he, he's very quick he has a great guard and and again Leon wasn't in trouble there so yeah the only way I see this hitting the ground is if, if someone gets knocked down and they're chasing it to the ground to finish <laughs> you know that's that's the only way I see it happening yeah, true. Yeah, that's the Diaz way of doing it. And uh, yeah, Leon Edwards wouldn't be afraid of that. Um, yeah, I think that's really interesting. So let me ask you guys this. And somebody's actually already asking about one on TNT. That's also flying under the radar. Of course, that'll be happening Wednesday next week. Um, a lot of it really interesting... It will be finished interesting... by the time we go on air, right? What's that? It will be finished by the time we go on air with the lawyer. Oh, are they not doing it local time? I haven't even looked at what time it's going. I thought they would do it because um, it's on TNT. I thought they would oh, do it for okay. American time. Maybe it's not. Um, well, uh, let me ask you. I definitely think we should talk about one championship. I think um, Adriano Marais, who's, of course, the the champion at flyweight there, is going up against DJ. I, th- I like his chances a lot better than it would seem on paper because – I mean, Demetrius Johnson is Demetrius Johnson, but we can talk about that in a second. I'm not saying I think he's going to win, but it's it's kind of similar to the um, Sanchez versus Pitbull one, where people just don't know as much about Marais. But I think he's he's got a lot of attributes, man. <laughs> you want to talk about attributes? Right. He's about five inches taller than DJ. He's crazy ranging. This is the thing I don't get about one championship's weights <laughs> because they keep saying Nobody that nobody's cutting weight. What's it? What's that? Are you having trouble? I was like, nobody understands these one white stuff. They just yeah. nobody understands. I don't have a clue what's going on. Man. Yeah. So the yeah, actually, you know, so we might as well jump into that. I do want to see if anybody was, you know, kind of picking um, uh, either Pitbull or Nate Diaz against Leon and what the cases were there to kind of see if there were underdog opinions on that one. But yeah, as it relates to this one, so it's 135 pounds is their their 125 equivalent because they have gotten rid of actual weight cutting practices and now they use hydration tests and the thing the thing that is so sus to me about that is dj when he fought so he's fought um wakamatsu and danny king at danny king had almost submitted him by the way um i think it was in the first or second round he had some really close rear naked attempts on him and that was when they fought in the ring so if, if that helps anybody jog their memory of it um dude like this guy is way bigger than them 5'8", and he has wins over those guys, too. Um, I don't know if he fought Wakamatsu, but I know he's beat Danny Kingyad. And uh, the guy's just a big fucking guy for 135. Really huge. And he's not, like, real thin. You know, it's like you look at Holloway. Holloway is extremely tall for 145, but he's very, very skinny. And you saw that when he went up to 155 and fought Poirier. We're not looking at that with Adriano Murai. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see those two face off. There's a, it's five, three versus five, eight. There's going to be kind of all, all these crazy reach differences. I think DJ's in for a hell of a fight. Um, I think he should win it, but it's a tough fucking fight. It's happened with every single UFC fighter that goes across Sage Norcutt, Eddie Alvarez, Demetrius. Every time we see them in there, they're dwarfed by their opponents. Mm. I just don't understand yeah. Like, if you yeah. have all this weight cut and stuff sorted out, how is there a physical disparity in size between the guys coming over from the US as opposed to the guys who are already on the one championship roster? Like, is it because they know how to game the system? Is it because, like, yeah. I, I just don't <laughs> understand how 
two guys can look so different and be like, we're all 100% hydrated. Yeah. You're like, all right. <laughs> you know? Brandon That's Vera great. makes light heavyweight. No problem. Looks like he's <laughs> twice the size of freaking on saying. He had a 70-pound weight advantage over him, and he used wrestling, sumo-style wrestling. Uh, I'm making fun of the hyperbole. He's not that much bigger than Anlan Sang, but he's a lot fucking bigger than him still, you know? Um, well, forget all those other fights. Rogue Rogue is fighting. And if you don't know who Rogue Rogue is, maybe we can help you out with that. Maybe. We don't know yet. Maybe, maybe. we can help you out with that. Working up something. But this is a guy who has taken the whole sport by storm. Since his debut in November 2019 with Aries, this guy is from a Senegalese wrestling background, which is the biggest sport in the country. It's bigger than professional soccer, which is huge in Africa. This guy is the king of Western Africa when it comes to wrestling. And then he went on to fight in Lut Avec Frap, which means fighting with strikes. And when you get into that kind of thing, you're talking about the fighters who compete in this are on the billboards all around the cities and the car, all this kind of stuff. It's not actors. It's not movie stars. It's the Senegalese wrestlers. Um, he and guys like Yakini and Bombardier, they were all like, the, they're called the king of the arena. It's basically like the status of the GOAT. Right now, you are the greatest that we have. And now he's transitioned to the MMA. And it, the guys he's beating have like 10 times the experience of him in the sport. He's coming in as a complete beginner to MMA and doing incredible things like power slamming, Bokashu out of a Kimura. Yeah. And then, um, so we actually have the link know. to that. I'm going to have Lunt open that for us real quick because like that, that, that uh, Kimura attempt that he slams him out of is just like a straight feet of strength it, it looks like one of those things that somebody would do at a demonstration for the world's strongest man type kind of thing like all right now let's see if you can do this ridiculous feat of human strength so he's about to pull it up here this is rug rug here they're trying he's he should be in a lot of trouble here a lot of fucking trouble he's got the arm isolated look at this look at this pops it out should be in a ton of trouble look at him just get up and just <laughs> what who does that who does that this guy's fighting next week. Yeah, and I mean, like he, like so, the guy he's fighting there, Sofian Bokashu, was one of Tom Aspinall's last opponents before he went to the UFC. Like Ooh. he's no joke. He's had ten professional fights or something like that. Um, then he obviously took on Engelini. Is it? Is that his name? Alan Engelini and his Engelani. name is one uh, Close debut. Enough. Another monster, a striking phenom, and Pricey did the same thing. And this will be his third fight. Um, I may have talked to him about this opponent and I said, Rug Rug, is this the biggest test of your career so far? One word answer, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. That was the only part we didn't need to translate. I was like, all right, fair enough. That's amazing. <laughs> That's such a great answer. But like, if you think about it, right, guys, we have Francis Ngannou, we have Kamaru Usman. We have Israel Adesanya, all these huge forces coming from that region of the world, the continent of Africa. And then you have this guy who taps into the actual culture, mm. folklore. His ancestry is, is within this Senegalese wrestling. This guy is an obvious, obvious choice for the UFC if he can hold it together. I'd be surprised if I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's like a Cyril Gan who's who signed at like three and four and mm. I really wouldn't I really wouldn't be surprised because the guy is a behemoth. He's an unbelievable athlete. That's clear. He's been training since he was a child, man. His <laughs> grandfather was the champion of these arena fights. Like, it's unbelievable story. It's, it could be a movie as well. 
The problem is they'll just have to trade another pound for pound great to get him to one, <laughs> to get him away <laughs> from one rather. That's great. That's it. But yeah, uh, so yeah, we're definitely hyped on that fight, and it, it is falling <laughs> under the radar. I think it's there's so much going on this week, and then of course we'll have a ton of time to talk about that on Wednesday next week. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, yeah, I don't want to say anything more than that because <laughs> I was about to spoil something I can't actually say, and there's some NDAs involved. But great stuff going on. Um, let me read some of these super chats here. Jose Gomez, would you guys think that the organizations involved, UFC, Bellator, one, have more to gain than to lose from cross-promotion super fights? Um, yeah. UFC definitely have more to lose. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like, we, we see... Bellator actually do this stuff. They go to Rise and they, they're happy to cross-promote. KSW have said they'd be happy to cross-promote with the likes of Bellator. The thing the UFC are trying to do is hold their fighters on a pedestal way over all these guys. Yep. Way, we're way above this. We don't want to, we've got the best fighters in the world. Why would we get your fighters involved? Mm -hmm. That's the impression they're trying to give off. So I think everybody else, to be honest, it's it, it's really exciting when that happens, right, Jay? Like just for us who are kind of nearly jaded by the sport at this stage, when they do these cross-promotional things, it's so epic. It's so much fun if you follow the different promotions. And, and I think that is their opportunity to really get the fan base involved. If they're doing something the UFC isn't, that's always the best way yeah. for me. That's why I love KSW so much. That's why I love Cage Warriors so much. It's just different. They're doing a different thing than the UFC. And the more different you can be when you're not the UFC, the better your chances of succeeding in the sport is, I believe. Yeah, I fully agree on this. The UFC has way more to lose in those other places because they are putting on them on that pedestal that says we are the top organization on the planet. We have all the best fighters, the top 10 rankings, which obviously that's not true when you do include guys like Pitbull and their Horiguchi and their um, some of the really top talents. And so for them, I think what it really comes down to at the end of the day is bartering ability, bartering capability. If you have like... When Fedor was there, there was that was probably the closest time it could have ever happened. But even then, the UFC wouldn't do it. So that kind of tells you what pressure there is. When he was the best pound-for-pound -pound fighter in the world, bar none, everybody was rating him as the best, they still wouldn't do it then. And they're not nearly as powerful back then as they are now. And that's the biggest thing. If other organizations, though, like Pride, when they were on top... Oh, look, look who wants to barter now. Look who wants to trade their champions. They send Chuck Liddell and he gets smashed by Rampage Jackson and doesn't even make it to the final. They were willing to do it back then because they're underneath. And I think it just comes back to a simple power dynamic. Who's got the capability of being able to trade out? And there's actually a win there for them. There's a win-win situation when you you have some that win and some that lose. The UFC stands to lose way more by doing these cross-promotion fights. Vadim beats, you know, uh, anybody in their top five, it looks bad, let alone Israel or Israel Adesanya. He didn't win, guys. He didn't win. <laughs> I still can't let it go. Uh, Jan Blahovich. So, um, you know, all these different things, and of course Pitbull coming over or, or something like that, they're just... They're not going to do it. But it's great for Bellator because Bellator looks really good. Ryzen looks really good. One, we have yet to really see do that. Um, Cage Warriors, uh, you know, we were talking about KSW. All these other big leagues, I think they have something far more to gain. So I hope we see more of it. And it, if anything, what it does is it gives them bargaining chips for the fans to say, oh, watch our product. And it tells the fighters, oh, if I go there, I can fight whoever I want. I'm not stuck with whoever's in the league. If I want to get a rematch, you know, I can get that. 
Um, so yeah, we'll see what happens, but absolutely UFC doesn't gain what everyone else does. They gain way more than UFC does. And, and right now, like if you put a gun to my head and you were like, who wins between Patricio Pitbull or Alexander Volkanovsky? I'd be like, oh, I, I don't know, man. I really don't Super know. Super tough. Like that guy it? is that good. Like, you know what I mean? It's, it's, that's something that like the broader fan base will never acknowledge. Like there is guys who can legitimately come in and beat these champions in the UFC, but how how could you argue it after what Patricio has done? You can't tell me that there is no way in hell that that man could beat Alexander Volkanovsky. You just couldn't. Yeah, you know? and you bring up a good point here because this happens every single time. You know, so when Pride was on top, for instance. It was like, oh, UFC doesn't have a chance. You know, look what happened to Chuck Liddell. And then within a year, the pound-for-pound rankings flip in almost every division to the UFC. Like, what what happened to Shogun? He loses to Forrest Griffin. Forrest Griffin wasn't even anybody's consideration for the best pound-for-pound light heavyweight in the world. And he beats Rampage after that. It's like, what? My Everybody's mind gets blown. Takanori Gomi was the best 155-er. BJ Penn... In, in hindsight, it's like obvious now because they also fought in the past and BJ Penn had won that fight, but that happened there. Strike Force comes over. Dude, we had Luke Rockhold as champion. We had DC, two-weight world champion. You know, we had Pettis come over from WEC. It becomes obvious in hindsight, and we're now seeing this again with Chandler, where Chandler's fighting for the world title, and regardless if you think he deserves it now, he was at least next in line. He was very, very close for beating the guy that he just beat in the way that he did with Dan Hooker. Everybody was saying, oh, he's going to eat that knee. He's going to eat that knee. That Nobody seems to learn their lesson on these things. Just because they're not in the UFC does not mean they suck. <laughs> Eddie Alvarez gets fucking torched in his first fight in one championship against the guy who was like 172nd ranked tapology welterweight. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's crazy when you look back at these historical precedences and people still don't seem to learn when it happens time and time again. And I think you bring up really good points. It's like... Some of that is marketing. It just is that the UFC yeah. has the best. That's because the three letters UFC. That's that's it. Like I mean, mm-hmm. they look look at the whole thing that's going on with John Jones right now. Oof. As far as they want it, the promotion is always bigger than the fighter. You can't make demands of us. We make demands of you. We we say jump. You say how high. <laughs> Unless your name is Conor McGregor. Here's a belt named after you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um... Yeah, very rare exceptions. This Nate Diaz fight feels like a rare exception to where, but I also feel like they there's an obvious benefit for them in the situation. You know, it's not like they're bending the knee. They they have the possibility of setting up the BMF actual title fight if both of those get to their opponents. They have Leon Edwards getting in the rub potentially, unless it's just a horribly boring fight. It's another God forbid eye poke finish. Knock on wood. Um, yeah so anyhow great question jose gomez that was a great question that you got us going off on a tangent with uh, that one about super fights and cross promotions um rapping grandmas that's a great username ten dollars you guys think rud tang will do well in <coughs> mma and maybe come to the ufc one day he's only 23 but has went over 100 muay thai fights and plans to do mma in one soon you know, I haven't really paid too much attention to his career, if I'm being totally honest with you. I don't want to bullshit an answer on that one. Do you have any thoughts on him? Have you have you looked much into Is his career? Is he the Super Series champion over there? I think I've seen him fight, but I mean, look, like you only have to look at Gokan Saki. Guys who've come over from kickboxing backgrounds, man, this is a different sport. You know, like yeah. that, that's the 
Oh, go Kansaki. It's very hard. Like, I'm not trying to say the guy isn't all-time great in his sport. It's just, this is a different game. Mm. You know, how good does he look when he's lying with his back on the ground and he has a wrestler on top of him beat the shit out of him? What does he do then? You know what I mean? So, you won't know until you know, I guess. Yeah. I'm really bad, you know, about anything outside of MMA. Like, <laughs> um, you know, we were talking about this where Chandler, uh, when we did our last video with him, was telling me that he lived near some famous football player. And I was like, I have no idea who that is. And it's the Nashville team. And I live 45 minutes like away. Like Don Marino? And you're <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> it's like I, I just don't know. Like uh, outside of MMA. And, it, you know, sometimes there are prospects that you look at. Like, of course, like the Jordan Burroughs. We just had somebody else signed to one last week. Um, well, who, who am I thinking of? It's the obvious name. Got just signed from BJJ. Gordon biggest Ryan. name. Gordon Ryan. Thank you. It's like the obvious name. I just couldn't think of it. But like, so there are things like that, that of course, you know, I'm in touch with, but um, yeah, it's uh, kickboxing and boxing. I don't watch nearly to the extent that I do for this stuff, but I think it's a great point to bring up. He's already won champions, you know, 135 Muay Thai champions. So, I mean, it's a natural progression. And that is one of the great things you were just saying about these organizations doing different from the UFC. That is one thing I really enjoy about one, the fact that they are not just doing MMA and they're putting things, you know, it's like when um, Bellator was doing the multi uh, you know, kind of fielded arena by having a, a UFC MMA cage, a UFC cage. Are you fucking kidding me? An MMA cage in the next to that, a kickboxing ring. You know, I really enjoy that sort of thing. And I think it's something that one is doing really well here and they are I building up champions right. like that. Ryzen's doing it as well. Tension. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So great, great points there. And, uh, I mean, you would have to think you could do well, but it always comes back to, you know, what does the jujitsu look like? What does the wrestling look like? And can he stop a takedown for one? Um, will it look like the first Nganu fight or will it look like the second Nganu fight with Stipe? <laughs> it can go either direction. It really can. So I think like, it's a great it's, point bringing him up. Same as Rodolfo Vieira in the UFC. We just saw him getting submitted. When you add these variables, like Muay Thai is on the feet. When you add hmm. variables like where it's on the ground and – it's not just one way you can be finished on the ground. You can be finished a multitude of ways on the ground. You can just be cooked on the ground. They can just exhaust you on the ground. So by the time you stand back up, you don't have the juice to actually fire the way you want to fire. So it's too many variables for me to go. Tyson Fury would be great in MMA. You know, it's just, you're just not going to know until you see what he can put together. Yeah. That's like one of the things I would love to hear somebody ask, uh, you know, Nganu about, MMA and what it's been for like uh, him for been like for him now because he wanted to just be a boxer. It took a long time for him to get convinced to do MMA and what he thinks about fighting guys like Tyson Fury and things like that. But I would say I would I would pick Tyson Fury in a boxing fight. But dude, I think Tyson Fury would get fucking wrecked in an MMA fight. Like, yeah, (laughs) he'd look great in a boxing match because he's he's that good. You know, he's obviously. Uh, a phenom to watch. I mean, the kind of stuff that he's been doing lately. But uh, yeah, it's a totally different world. Fury would dwarf Nganu. Like, I know he's not physically bodied up like Nganu is, is, but the guy's 6'10", 6'11". Yeah, yeah. Like, and in his long arms, man, his arms are even long (laughs) for his body. Like, it's crazy, dude. Like, there's no, there's no even, not even an argument to me. Like, who would win that? If they booked that fight, I'd be like, for fuck's sake. Yeah. I wouldn't be excited about Francis fighting Tyson Fury. I'd be like, you are literally 
on on the cusp of reigniting this whole heavyweight story here with Joshua, mm. with with Ruiz, with Dylan White, with, with Wilder, all these guys. Like heavyweight boxing is is really coming back in a big, big way. And if they were to do a, a UFC crossover for the, for the sake of money, I'd just be like, boxing is fucked, you know? Yeah, yeah. Good point. Like, like look at Anderson Silva v. Julio, Julio oh, Cesar no. Chavez yeah. Jr. Like, what are you talking Man, it's, it's been... I just don't know. Boxing's just gone very strange, man. It's gone very strange. When is, like, I was thinking about this the other day, and I didn't care to Google at the time, uh, I was probably just working or something. I just wasn't thinking about it that much. But when even is that Askren fight with uh... April seventeenth? Yeah, mate, it's been on my calendar. It's highlighted vigorously. <laughs> so I mean, what the hell? How did you not know that, man? This yeah, is the exactly. biggest deal in sports. But I mean, that's that's going towards your point. Um, so fair well, enough. Has that not convinced you at all, Jay? Uh, has it not? Has that press conference moment, like, just from a narrative point of view? Did that not compel you at all? Like I was, I, I, I didn't even set out to, I didn't even know the press conference happened. And then I found myself completely engrossed <laughs> in Ben Askren's no-selling Jake Paul to the point where Jake Paul's getting flustered and he's just going, eh, eh, when Askren's talking, you're like, mate, this is the levels to this. Like Askren's in his head without even trying to be in his head. Yeah. And then when they're faced off, he just face palms him and walks away. And then Jake Paul awkwardly slaps him on the arse or something. (laughs) (laughs) And then he does that like shitty body shot as he's walking away. So Uh, I thought he spanked him. I didn't know what was going on. And then did you see the clip where he like walks into a room with 27 people and they're all like chanting something and Ben's just sitting there with his wife just like, and he's like, okay, okay. This is great. Well, because uh, so uh, I know what a lot of people are saying is like, oh, you're talking about it. So this is good for them. Well, let me say something objectively bad for them. Everybody, don't buy that. Because then that means that Jake Paul will go the fuck away and he'll stop calling out MMA fighters because we will, as an audience, a collective audience, say, no, this is bullshit. You're going to see the highlights on Twitter. Don't buy it. Just don't buy it. You want it to go away? Don't buy it. I want it to go away. I'm not buying it. So there we go. I'm actively advocating people not to buy that bullshit. So. Well, at the same time, it's not bad for fighters. That's, that's why it's a story. Ben Askren is making more money for this fight than he's made in his whole career. So it's like, from a sporting point of view, absolute is bullshit. Is he really? How much are this they selling? Bullshit, this bullshit is paying more than the UFC pay elite fighters. That's a problem. You think so? How much are they selling well, it ben for? Ben Askren said it. He said he's like, this is way more money than I've ever got for oh, a fight. Oh, shit. Um, so Faith Rock, shout out to Faith Rocks. Um, she says boxing makes 10 times more money than MMA does. That Well... Boxers do. Yes. Promoters make probably less maybe than the UFC, but they actually pay their fighters. Yeah. So, well, like the the way it is, I mean, the distribution is it's, it's like, if you were to see like a graph, you would see like low level fighters being at the very, very bottom in boxing. And then all of a sudden it just shoots up like a motherfucker for the biggest guys. I would say it's much more of a slope for the UFC. It's still too low. And then it doesn't go as high as the boxing graph does, but particularly in the UFC, Bellator, one championship, KSW Cage Warriors, they definitely get paid better than people at their notoriety equivalent level in boxing. Boxing pays you very well at the very top, but it pays you very poorly. That's the thing. I mean, you know, like if you want to, you know, talk about it in terms of the way it is, I mean, it's capitalism 100%. 
is what boxing really is. It's what you sell is what you get. In the UFC, you get a certain amount of notoriety that goes behind you that the UFC will give you regardless of what you sold on the door. Um, and then, of course, if you are a big sale, then that will change. But there is that baseline level for a lot of fighters that they just they just make more. They just plainly do. It's just that their, their earning potential is not as high. The UFC by far makes more than boxing does overall. Yes, there is the Mayweather-Pacquiao fight. Yes, there is the Mayweather-Connor fight. Obviously, there's you know it's a bit different there because the UFC had their hand in that and made money in that. But those are the extreme rare cases. You know, the Tyson Fury is the extreme rare cases. Tyson Fury is not selling as much as Conor Habib did. You know what I mean? It's not as big, generally speaking, 99% of the time. There's the, the unicorn fight out there, and that's about it. And if you guys are on Twitter talking about John Jones is afraid of Francis Ngannou and he's using this money thing as a, as a, a way to get out of it, you need to realize how big this moment is for the sport. Yeah. They need to pay John Jones. This is like Diaz and McGregor again. They collectively come together to barter for a greater cause, mm. to increase the money. Mm. And if you think John Jones, I, like I, I still can't get over this moment. Dana White sitting in front of the press and saying, he wants Deontay Wilder money and all the press. <laughs> Imagine that. The greatest fighter of all time in our sport wants to be paid the same as the third best heavyweight in the world. <laughs> how ridiculous is that? Yeah. Like we need to, I can't get over. I, I said something on Twitter about this, some bullshit, like make the fight or whatever. And so many people are coming back to me like, oh, you know, you got to go with the UFC on this one. You don't, you shouldn't be going with the UFC on fucking anything. They're not the guys getting in there and sacrificing their bodies, their brains for your entertainment. You should always be on the fighter side if you're a fan of this sport. Yeah. Anything else is frankly ridiculous. Well, so I will say this to add some balance to that. I do think nope. that it is good that the UFC has the structure that they do that boxing is lacking. So what Faith was saying, MMA um, fighters do make poorly at the bottom too. They do, but not as bad as boxing. You could have somebody at the same level, for instance, as, I don't know, Magomed Magomedov that we were just talking about, but they're making far less in a boxing fight. They just are. Um, and it, it it's just the median value is better in MMA. It just is. But... The, that's the good thing about the UFC, that what allows that to happen is having a structure. So there has to be some sort of balance of the fighters need bargaining chips. They need their ability to do this. It is good to have an organizational structure. There's no doubt about it. It absolutely is good. Having the things like the Apex and things like that over the pandemic, overall, is it necessarily, <laughs> you can make all kinds of debates about whether they should be having public events and fights during well, not truly public, they are private, but having events and risking COVID, all these kind of things. You could have debates about that all day, but it's actually good for MMA. There's no doubt about it that it's been good for MMA. And the kind of things, the ability that they've had to make stars and build people up is far greater. There are way more stars in MMA than there are in boxing, objectively. It is objectively true. Are they making as much at the top? No. Boxers are making more. But the median value is there because of the UFC structure and their ability to put together these fights consistently and with an organizational power. Like, so like for me, as somebody who doesn't watch boxing, somebody can correct me on this as much as they want. I can't figure out where the entry point is for boxing to understand like where, where things are coming from at the highest level. And to a certain extent, that's true of MMA. That's true of the UFC, all these other organizations. 
where are they coming from, from the lower tier regional organizations. But there's at least that tail that starts once they get into the UFC. There's that structure that begins there where you see someone start from obscurity to contendership. You know, you don't have that in boxing. You basically know when the boxers are big, when they're already big, when they've already started to do well and they've already started to make a name for themselves. Um, so that would be the biggest thing. Um, let me see what some of these comments are. If a boxer makes 100 for his first pro fight and an MMA fighter makes 500 for his pro fight, they are both making a loss. It doesn't matter at the bottom if one guy gets a few bucks more. Well, that's all we're talking about, isn't it, Faith? So it does matter. Uh, that's five times more the amount. And that scales all the way until you get to the highest levels, which is my point. So you might be making, as Alistair Overeem, who I don't think is a huge sell right now, um, and obviously got cut from the UFC, was making far more than a boxer at his level. Making far more. At that stage in that. his career? Who, I don't know about that. You think so? Povetkin against White last week, how much would you say they got paid? Well, that, that's in a the lot. top three discussion. So we, we're talking about Dylan Povetkin's White. Povetkin's not in the top. Dylan White or Povetkin not in the top three? No, no, no. He's right. They're like So White is right there behind those three. So he's like right in that we're, discussion. Wait. With Ruiz, with, with all these guys. Yeah, yeah. He, he's there, there. Povetkin, like, literally probably can't fight any of those again because he pissed he already off so lost many to times. Him. And he's, he's still making more money than yeah. than Alistair Overeem. Yeah, but they're right like, inside that doubt. actual discussion, though. You know, like, I'd say he's making multiples of what Alistair Overeem is making, you know? Yeah. I would say Alistair like, Overeem was pretty far out of that discussion, though, you know, where he was at. Well, like, how much would you say Pavekin made compared to Francis Ngannou? Like, I'd say he's made more money than him for his last number of fights. You think so? Yeah, probably. How yeah. much would you? Well, yeah, I mean, I guess we're speculating here, hardcore. But like, how much would you say he probably made if you had to guess? Over a million. You don't think that Ngannou was making that? I don't know. He wasn't the champion going into that fight. Yeah. So I would say he made that. Maybe. I, I honestly don't think it's anywhere near. Yeah. I don't think it's any the top the the champions in these divisions. Like what what did Piotr Jan make for the yeah, Aljamain yeah. Sterling fight? Like what? Yeah, like, yeah. Nowhere near what these guys. Yeah, are. we're not we're not debating that at the highest level. We're not. There's de- not even a title on the line in Pavekin v White. Yeah, there's nothing. I just think like I don't think Alistair's point in his career going up against Volkov is comparable to Pavekin. Like, I think he's up there at the top of the division. If he had a win over Dylan White, he could be one of those guys fighting for a title within the next year or so, so long as he, you know, was beating guys like that. But, I mean, we're talking the the top. But he beat White already, and they had to do a rematch because he had no other options. Yeah, because you know it was an upset. Yeah, yeah. People didn't expect that. People thought White would win for sure. You know? Well, you, like, I mean, I, I don't think it's comparable at all. Top top of boxing, it's because of the Ali Act, because the, the promoter can't be well, the you guy. Know, I think maybe you're missing my point here. At the top of boxing, you get paid way more. I don't think Pavetkin is in the same place as Alistair Overeem. I think Alistair Overeem's more like, I don't know, the bottom end of the stack. You know, he moved himself back towards, I mean, I don't want to say the bottom end of the stack, the bottom end of the top 10, you know. Povetkin. I'd say any, anyone in rank and rank boxing is getting paid a lot more than the guys who are ranked in MMA. Do you have an example? Like, I mean, in that, that top 15 cluster, like, uh, hmm. like I, I don't even know who the top 15 would be in, in heavyweight boxing. Maybe that's a part of my problem with it. Cause it's I like, think we've named Adam. <laughs> I think we've named like seven names. We named Ortiz. We named Dylan White. We named Povetkin. Um, who else? 
Did I say Joshua, Ortiz and Ruiz? Well, yeah, yeah. Fury. But that's already the, yeah, yeah. So like that's like seven. Like where, where do we Ruiz. go? Yeah, yeah. We've already named that Ruiz and Ortiz. You said Ortiz. And I said Ruiz and Ortiz. Oh, I said both. Okay, let's move on. So that's I, like, I, like se- I mean, we have to start googling things here. Yeah, exactly. That's my point. Like you can name them in MMA. You can't in boxing. Well, like I don't cover boxing for a living. <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? That's fair too. That's totally fair. <laughs> but I feel like you. Yeah, I don't. I, don't I, I think I think it's way different. To be yeah. honest, I th- the top of it absolutely is. Yeah, there's no debate about that. The absolutely is different at the very very top. But I don't know. Um, JTVA says PT is right. Chisora Parker. I've never heard of them, but I guess that's my Derek casual. Chisora, yeah, Usyk. I've heard of Usyk. Like these, one of these guys has to be comparable to Alistair Overeem's situation in the UFC. Like Pavekin's like forty-five. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. Like, I mean, Dylan White. Who's he going to fight next? He's probably somewhere around that top three, right? Wilder, one of those guys. Yeah. Yeah, like I, I would say he's up there for sure. Um, I don't think Alistair was there, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm just totally wrong here. That's fine, but. I do feel like um, absolutely at the like Canelo, top of the sport. How much did Canelo get for his last fight? Like, I mean, he wasn't fighting the yeah. guy who was. Well, we're not well, debating whether or not the top guys make more. We know that for sure. No one's no one's trying to say that. I'm trying to say like the middle of the stack guys. But it's it's not even a selling card. Do you know what I mean? Like these, these this isn't a big fight, and he's getting like 35 million probably. You know Which what I mean? Like it's just for the, for his last fight against Lou Campbell. Like that wasn't not Lou Campbell. Canelo. He fought an English lad in his last fight. It might have been Campbell. But, I mean, the fight wasn't... Like, people were going, like, why is this happening? And he got $35 million for it or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Like, the top level MMA, is just the, so much better. There's no doubt about that. They're only paying... Like, they're, they're talking... Like, I mean, we're literally talking about John Jones not getting $15 million quid here. Like, it's, it's bizarre. Mm. Yeah. Fair enough. And Faith is saying that Overeem was ranked six, so maybe Overeem was a bad point to bring up. I don't know. But anyhow, we know that at the top level of the sport, they make way more. It's the median level that we're talking about. That I would say the MMA structure is far better. Right? I, I don't know. Still I don't still know. on that one? Well, I mean, what's the median level? Like, what, what's like, what's a ranked strawweight getting? What's a ranked flyweight getting in the women's division? Yeah. Getting like- well, forget that. Just somebody that's even just signed to the UFC. You know? Let's say before you even know, oh. I would say they're making more. Like- I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah. Like, what is it? Ten grand minimum? We making? should do an actual comparison of this and see what comes out. You know, it's like, what could we do to assess this and come up with some actual numbers on this? And just for what their announced pay is, uh, I feel like you make more in the UFC for sure. And there, there are egregious cases like Nate Diaz making twenty and twenty against Michael Johnson. So I mean, there, there are definitely really bad abuses out there as well. I'm, Nate got no faith. It was twenty and twenty, not ten and ten. Um, but yeah, so I had actually said that before you wrote it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Point is, um, I think if you're coming into the UFC, I think you're making more than you are as a boxer at that level. That's the median level. The median level is not the the top of the top. You know, it's it's people towards the middle of the stack, people you probably don't even know. Because it's the median. It's it's more the average um, for a pro. I mean, even then. But let's look at it. <clears throat> no, you said 10 and 10, Faith. You didn't say 20 and 20. 
Oh, you meant to say 20 and 20. Okay. I thought you were saying that that was your point. No, you are saying that. You said I added them together. I don't know. I'm just going to stop on that one because that is not what you were saying. <laughs> Anyhow, so let's What a tangent. What a tangent. <laughs> I think it's a fun tangent, though. I mean, it is something that should be talked about. People should understand that there is an issue with pay in MMA, for sure. There's no doubt about it. Um, but I do think we should put together. Yeah, people are saying, uh, dude, I don't, I don't buy that. Boxers, on average, don't make more. I just don't buy that. I mean, there's there have been studies on this that have been done over and over again. Faye said I'm confusing her. You said whatever. I'm just gonna move on. <laughs> she said that he made ten and ten. He made twenty and twenty. He did not make ten and ten. Yeah. She said she added them together though. That's not what she did. Why is Jones saying release me when no other promotion can pay what he get paid now? I bet you they would if they could. I bet oh I bet you they would go for it. If they could go for it, I bet you they would. They would try to pay him at least, even if it's just a dollar more and he's a happier person and they promise him more down the line, I think he would go for that. I bet you Bellator would try to do that. They could put on I that think, fight with yeah, Nemkov. They would go for it. I think everybody would try. Like, I mean, Roy Risen got Floyd Mayweather to fight tension. Like, that that cost millions. There's yeah. no doubt about that. Yeah. I can't remember which it was, but I think it was like five or ten million he got for going in and just executing their biggest star. What did like, Triller say? John Jones. Huh? Didn't Triller try to do something with Jones? The the people that are put on the Askin fight? They definitely would, right? Like, I mean, any of these guys. Yeah. Any of these guys. They like, I mean, a boxing promoter a boxing promoter could put on a fight with Jones, like if, if he was released from the, the contract, like yeah, there is this guy would get 15 million, I think, if, if he left the UFC. Let's think for, um, for something and, and Fedor in affliction back in the day, people were chugging out the money here, strike force when they took him. If, if you give those organizations the opportunity to steal one of the biggest fighters in the sport, they'll put up the cash for it because yeah. it is believed, at least. <laughs> I will say, the affliction they did not have much success with that, they only sold about a hundred thousand pay per view buys on each of those Fedor fights. And that is the strength of the UFC. It just plainly is. I think they would have sold easily over a million if they had Fedor versus Brock. Tim Sylvia was coming off of his championship run. Uh, Arlovsky wasn't too far off of it. Obviously, they weren't the biggest names, but you would have figured they would have sold more if that was... I mean, if you would have put Fedor versus Tim Sylvia in the UFC structure, it certainly would have sold more. So, I mean, it is to make success. It is a huge risk, but it's a risk they're willing to take. So, well, yes, Jones think, would think, go to another place and they would pay for it. They absolutely would. I think if we, if we even take the money out of it, right, the way Dana White behaved as a promoter of John Jones after that Nganu fight was crazy. Mm. Like, you should be coming out and being like, yeah, Francis Nganu, oh my God, look at this guy. Where the hell did we get this guy from? Nobody wants to fight this guy. Apart from one dude, John Jones, the greatest light heavyweight champion of all time. We really want to make it happen. We need to sit down with John and see if we can make that happen. Can you imagine how big that fight would be? That would be the biggest fight in the history of the organization. And you're just looking at him going, his first line about it is, he wants to move back down to 185. <laughs> and laughs. You're like, are you serious? Like, yeah. John Jones has been fighting the, the biggest killers in MMA since he's about 20. Mm. And beating the shit out of them. And now he's afraid. It's just... You already, I just know, you already know the game that's being played here. Try to make it mm. sound like Jones is scared so Jones 
gets up and says, oh, no, I'm not scared. I'll take the fight. I'll take 200,000. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take way less. I'll take it 20 and 20, um, and I'll fight Nate Diaz. Uh, like, that's that's the game. It's as old as the UFC's playbook. I mean, we've seen it for such a long time, and it's so frustrating because you can see it, and the fact that anybody buys into it, like the people that are commenting on your statuses about it, it's like, oh, I think the UFC's right about this one. Or like, do you think the Jones is even worth that money? Like, of course he fucking is. And like, here's the thing too. You get the sense that UFC is probably wanting to pay him, um, you know, so let's say it's 30 million. Let's just give it a nice round number that the wilder money number is. They're probably wanting to pay him somewhere closer to five. And he's like, well, at least meet me fucking halfway. Pay me 15, you know? Can it's we like, have a conversation? Can we do this? <laughs> um, and I guarantee you here, you know, he's probably somewhere around literally a tenth of that. You know, somewhere, if he's getting 5 million, we're, 3 million is a tenth, you know, it's easy math here, of 30 million. He's probably somewhere around a tenth of what Wilder's getting paid. If you look at his guaranteed contracts and things like that in the past, I mean... I mean, when has he even made three million on those guaranteed? Or uh, well, the uh, the announced payouts is the word I'm looking for. But but that's the travesty of this situation. We're all talking about money when mm. the real issue is like this is brilliant. If this fight yep. happens, it's fucking unbelievable. Mm. Like this is the greatest fighter in the history of the UFC meeting a guy who now looks like an immovable object. Yeah, yeah. A guy who just went through and clinicked Steve Amiocic. And the whole fucking pay-per-view was sold on, the winner is going to fight John Jones. <laughs> Literally the first word out of Dana White's mouth is, he's going back down to 185. <laughs> like, you know, like, Very how many accurate. times does this have to happen? It's like the Habib thing. Like, it's like you're after telling us all before um, the... Poirier v McGregor fight. Habib is coming back. Habib is coming back straight after the fight. Didn't see anything spectacular. What? Mm. It's just at what point are we going to stop believing what these guys are telling us? Because that, that, that like isn't. It's just mad to me. It's crazy. Like this is this is the biggest fight. This could be the biggest fight in the history of the heavyweight division. Like it could yeah, yeah. go on for a long, long time where nobody can beat it. I think honestly, if they had a, if they go about this the right way. This can this can really really be like a, a phenomenal pay per view. Like I'm not trying to say it's going to be Habib and Connor because that was yeah, like yeah, cultural yeah. war, all this shit. But I think it would be right close to the other pay per views that sold really well, that Nate Diaz and Connor and things like that. Yeah. Like that 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 was a, a fight that really meant nothing apart from these two guys are huge personalities. <laughs> this fight means so much. Mm. This is, imagine if John Jones beat him. Like what? Just imagine, like, and and if there's one guy that can probably beat a dude like Francis Ngannou, it's a dude like John Jones who just knows how to do this in the moment, game planning, changing his style. He's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. That's that's something that we often overlook about Jones because of his checkered past. The guy is just an unbelievable fighter. Yeah, like I, I can't think of a fight I want to see more right now, and that's the that's the issue for me. Um, Jay Tivo uh, had a point here saying that. One of the problems is Jones isn't talking about a union, which would help him. But that's a problem as old as every star in the UFC. <laughs> Everyone's had the opportunity to do that. You know, Connor was talking about wanting shares in the UFC after 205 and all this kind of stuff. Like GSP famously joined one for about two seconds with Mr. Mexico himself, Bjorn Rebney. I, I still oh don't even God. get what that tweet was about. But like um, people have talked about it. 
but the fighters haven't really done it. And like, I mean, if you want to talk about how it could happen, it would actually be pretty easy. Take the top five of each division. If you could somehow bind those all together, the UFC would be pretty fucked in terms of putting on events. The problem is, can you herd these cats together and tell them what to do? The, the solution on paper is pretty simple. You take away their earning potential by taking away their biggest stars and their biggest stars saying, we're all going to bind together. But can you get them to do that? No. So yes, I agree with you, JT, but that would be the best thing to possibly do is for somebody like a Jones and Nganu to stand together. Nganu wants this fight as well. He just did not ESPN pay-per-view. Yeah, he um, he did an interview with Ariel where he was saying that he believes Jones wants this fight and he doesn't believe what the UFC is saying. Well, you could... You know, you could ideally buy it together, but um, <laughs> I don't know. I, it just seems to be something inherent with a sport that is so selfish uh, in the first place. And I don't mean literally selfish, but in some ways, yes, there's the TJ Dillashaws of the planet who w- would outright say that it was a selfish endeavor. But being a kind of a one-man thing, people don't tend to join up like they should i think they tend to be solitary focused like the sport is they tend to follow that model and if you could just convince i mean even like what they had with bjorn rebney was pretty fucking great they had gsp they had um cerrone you know two big stars there they had tim kennedy at the time tj dillashaw was actually in that speaking of him and i can't remember who the fifth person was they had a pretty good thing but it fell apart almost instantaneously Probably had something to do with the fact that they had Bjorn Rebney, of all people. It was headlined. Cerrone, right? The, it, he was the first to do a 180. Like when, when he was the first one to back him. Yeah. And then it's like when one of the, it's like a chain. If one of the links gets loose, it's gone. Yeah. You know, it's just like really they'd need all the biggest earners. So the McGregor, Masvidal, Jones, yeah. Habib, all of these guys to somehow all sit in the same room and get on like a house on fire <laughs> and decide. Let's meticulously go through the roster and convince them that this is what to do. Like th- just the logistics mm-hmm. of that alone, like the amount of time it would take. It's just, I feel like it's too far gone to, to be repaired unless something is wrote down in litigation, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's why people are trying the Ollie act for MMA. Uh, you know, I really think it is something that we need to do a deep dive into. Cause I think one of the best parts about boxing is the Ollie act. But one of the worst parts about boxing is yeah. the Ollie act because I think you need, you know, I'll say this again and again, like I was saying earlier, you need that organizational structure. I do think you need that. You need the sport to be easily followed, and I think that helps. But you need to give the power to the fighters as well. There's no way they should be signing all these deals with all these brands, these clothing brands, these like billion-dollar deals with TV, all this kind of things, and just not getting a piece of it. Um, It's just, yeah. So we'll see where things land, but... Feels like we're we're beating this argument down pretty hard. Somebody says that Jason in the NHL is a goalie. No. Sorry, what were you gonna say? That's just a random comment. Did I read it right that they said um when this Reebok thing started, they said that the fighters would make a combined total of seventy million dollars out of it. And then oh. it was disclosed that they they got paid between I think it was thirty million, maybe mm. thirty million dollars was, was the payout in the end. And then I saw a journalist from Ireland talking about it like hmm. I can't remember who it was it was a guy reacting to this sum of money he saw 30 million and he was like Alan Iverson got 36 million off Reebok on his 55th birthday for like just an additional <laughs> bonus he hasn't played in 20 years and they just went oh Alan here's that money 
Um, remember we wrote that in your contract? Yeah, there's that. There's this 36 million. Obviously. And you're like, so one. Oh, good. So one dude who hasn't fought, I mean, who hasn't played his sport in 20 years is getting the grand total of four or five years UFC payment. That is fucking mental. That is crazy. Yeah, and what I was going to say is obviously the problem with that is Reebok hasn't sold anything that well. Um, you know, there are people yeah. out there like O'Malley where their stuff did sell pretty well, um, <laughs> to, enough to where he made it uh, a statement on Twitter, but not near the Allen Iverson, Jordan numbers, you know, Tiger Woods, you know, type kind of things with Nike. Not nowhere near that. Um, and I think that's, Obviously, part of the problem there, I would say Allen Iverson is a unicorn case as somebody who can sell so much that Reebok's like, yeah, we'll give you $36 million on top of what you're making for us. I don't think anybody's made that kind of money for Reebok in the UFC, not even Connor. But I think that's that because of a lot of these things that they try to do. Just like the, the you saw the shirts with Connor that they try to do with the weird shoes and the pants on and the slick back hair. I, I don't. I get what they were going for, like some sort of claymation thing, and it made a bit more sense when you saw the commercial. But it was like, I don't know anybody that bought that. <laughs> you know, like I certainly didn't buy it. So I think they that's keep, the, that's the problem too. It's just, just it's not converted to sales. They kept on saying like that, like the numbers in Ireland, like for these Reebok things were insane. I've never seen a single person in Ireland wearing like, a Reebok. <laughs> Apart from if I'm literally in SBG watching Connor training. Like, I mean, the only time I've ever saw those right. jerseys sold was at the actual events. Yeah. And they were all like, you know, Americans being Irish for the day wearing the t-shirt. <laughs> that was it. What is to the point to where, you know, it's like a joke. It's like a meme. A Reebok kit in the wild. You know, you never see one in the wild. You just never do, you know? Um I love when people put their own names on them. That's my favorite. I saw that in Vegas. Oh, I didn't even times. know there was like, a thing you, you could say? do. Yeah, yeah, you can. Yeah, yeah, you oh, can. no. I remember because they sent Ariel, <laughs> Ariel Awani one when they launched, right, with Helwani written on it. And um, then I just started seeing them in Vegas, like fighters that weren't definitely these second names weren't in the UFC. And it was like, yeah, you can just edit your own online and get it. Wow. I think what that is man. one way more positive thing about Venom is they're known for clothing. And Reebok certainly, you know, it's not like they've only done shoes, but they've always been known as a shoe brand. And I don't think... I mean, I don't remember any time in high school or, you know, college, anything like that, ever seeing people even just walking around wearing Reebok clothing. I definitely remember it for Nike. You know, their shoes brand that has converted over to clothing extremely, extremely well. But I can't think of any Reebok shirts that I've ever seen in the wild of somebody just wearing. Is anything clicking for you, Lawton? I know, like shoes, I know they had the classics were big in, in Europe, the, the Reebok classic Yeah, shoes shoe. are great. That was that was big. Yeah. And obviously, and one was Iverson's, right? Uh, is that right? Mm -hmm. Was N1 a Reebok thing? Uh, I, I'm probably so. wrong. I remember when N1 <laughs> was huge. Like, I mean, that used to be a thing. You know, you'd be playing with somebody and they would shoot oh, and they'd go N1 as soon as it would land. But N1 is, are they their own brand? I think they might be okay i didn't know if they went through somebody else we're definitely <laughs> pizzkies uh pizzkies pizzkies pigs skin podcast i can't say it podcast. i can't do it we'll go into the reebok issue more on the pigskin podcast <laughs> <laughs> and we'll tell you all about them so yeah it looked like n1 went into it for themselves it looks like but mm -hmm. anyhow 
if it sells well, then yeah, you'll get a cut of it. So that is the other side of it, to be fair. But yeah, yeah obviously they were not matching anywhere near what those sponsorships were doing before, and it took a ton of money away from the fighters. And that's where a union would have come in and ties into the conversation. But let's see. Um, we got a, another super chat from Luke Hennigan. Um, Jones needs to realize he won't get McGregor money because he's nowhere near as big a draw. He only deserves a payday. <laughs> McGregor money. Why is everyone always saying like uh, he's not going to get McGregor money? He's not fucking asking for McGregor money. Do you know what I mean? Like McGregor money is like a hundred million, eighty million. That's yeah. what he's getting from May- the, the Mayweather fight. Like claim forty-two idea- off of Cerrone. I don't know if that was true, but he said eighty million for that as well. Oh, he said eighty. Happen, but I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? But like he's asking for a fraction of that, a mm. fraction. Yeah. So like, I don't know. Well, here's the thing too. Know. So like. So what you need to realize, Luke, and I appreciate you popping in a 549 Super Chat in there, what you honestly do need to realize is that Connor isn't even getting true Connor money. If you no. compare it with other sports, you know, like if you compare Connor, what he's making in the UFC as opposed to what he would be making with boxing. And yes, I've made this point already numerous times about the UFC's power structure and how, you know, there are organizational costs that simply aren't there for boxing. And I do think some of that is a good thing. But there needs to be a much happier medium in the center. Right now, it's a 75-25 relationship with the UFC right now. If you look at, so there have been numerous, numerous studies that have been put out there of what the UFC takes home versus what the fighters take home. And it's a small, small sliver of the equation. It's nowhere near half. Like in the NBA, it's much closer to half of what they're getting on everything. For the UFC, I mean, I don't want to put out the numbers out there without saying, but it's it's 25 or less uh, from what I remember. I, I'm thinking it's a number closer to 10%. Somebody can correct me if they can look up those numbers for us, but it is nowhere near as high as it should be. So Conor McGregor money isn't even getting what Conor McGregor should be. Um, he did in boxing, yes, but that was a unicorn example if there ever was one. Um, yeah, I think it's something you should look into a little bit more. Look, I appreciate your question. I appreciate you supporting the channel, but there's way more to it than that. Kieran Lands, 45 was the claim for a cowboy. Yeah. Jason's got them <laughs> whistling Oregon arms. Yeah. Uh, doing the most harm with the biggest arms with the most charm or something like that. Around 18% says the anvil. That's, yeah, that sounds accurate. Um, whereas the NBA, it's closer to 50%. You know what I mean? Other major, major sports in the U.S. And this is much more about one person. It's not even the same, you know? So, like, you know, you could look at a Jordan or somebody like that and look at how much they're making, but it's not even an individual sport. It's a team sport, you know? So it's like we, you should be seeing that even more in an extreme case. And you are seeing it in boxing. You're not seeing it in MMA. Like they were talking about 250 million each for Fury and Joshua for their fight. Like that is so far away from anything that anyone has ever made in MMA. That's like it's, it's it's like 10 times. You well, know what I mean? Like it's I'm actually a bit confused by that cuz wasn't um Mayweather talking about 400 million for that fight? Oh yes. No, but I mean in MMA like for like I mean, Floyd, Floyd's a billionaire. Like I mean, you can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't. I think he made three hundred and fifty million for the like they they estimate among sponsors well, and everything else for the McGregor fight. He made something like three hundred fifty million. They think. Yeah, yeah. So I guess, well, yeah, adding in the sponsors. But what were you talking about for the two fifty? Because if Mayweather was taken home for only four hundred for a four million pay per view buy, so how are they able to justify five hundred million being split between those two? 
if Mayweather sold that much better than they probably will. I mean, I don't, I don't think four million to be touched again for quite a while. No, I, I don't think this will. I don't think like I think it's a huge fight, but I, I think it will do over a million. Yeah, but I don't think it's like I mean, if I touch two million, it'd be crazy. But it's it's a huge, huge fight. Yeah. But I do think a lot of the money initially when they were talking about the figures it was going to come from saudi arabia because they were doing the events there right, you know what i mean right, like right. that that was it's sports washing it's pretty much what we saw on foyer island you know interesting well um we've gotten to a lot of great debates here today i actually really enjoy this um so i might be wrong about this i i swear to god i've seen studies that show the median number is higher in mma but, you know, maybe we can talk about that next week point. and I can eat all the crow. <laughs> well, one of my uh, favorite people that talk about this is um, his name is Hey Not The Face. I can never remember his real name, but he does a bunch of work with Bloody Elbow and the body lock. And he goes, Nash, over. yes, John Nash? John Nash. So he's one of those people. So you want to talk about the antitrust lawsuit. You want to talk about all this stuff going That's on behind brilliant. the scenes. He's the guy who's also reporting on one's earnings every year and how it looks like they're in a massive debt kind of, it's, it's strange to look at, but this is the guy that I think has done that. And so anybody can correct me on that and we'll address it next week. If I'm totally wrong on this, I'll eat crow in front of all of you and, and admit it. But I do believe that there have been studies that show that with graphs and numbers and statistics and figures so we'll see what that looks like. But I think it's a fun conversation. I've really enjoyed having it with you guys, even if I disagree with you. Really enjoy this discussion overall because it's obviously a massive, massive issue within the sport of MMA that needs to be addressed. And John Jones is at the head of it. Um, so yeah, enjoyed talking about all these topics. We're about to go get some lunch. PT probably has to take a shit. Enjoyed it. Anything? <laughs> I have my pill before we started today. I know, he's right. got to do it again. Uh, did you have something to say there, Lon? No, no. I think we're I think we're good. Is uh, okay. a lot of cool stuff happening. We got composers today. Yeah, so we got composers. Yeah, yep. That's back again. Uh, the extras channel. If you guys have not subbed to that channel, we are firing off all kinds of content there. We're kind of seeing this. And oh, I guess we're obviously there. I'm forgetting that we've already swapped this over there. So you can tell what we're doing. So if you haven't subscribed, then please do so. If you haven't liked this chat, please do so as well. Help us push this forward. And we got some big things planned here. I think Pizzi, you know, I think we're uh, as much good things as you're doing. I feel like we're underutilizing you. So I think that will start to ramp up over the, the next few months and things like that. So yeah, good, good stuff on the way. So appreciate you guys for joining us. Faith says we're on the extra channel. Yes, I know. I know. I, I made a, a mistake. I forgot that we're on the extra channel. That's funny. Um, oh, shit, yeah. <laughs> as I'm, like, talking about it. But, uh, yeah, I really appreciate everybody. You guys are awesome. Have a ton of fun with these things. Enjoy the Composers Corner later on today. We'll have a regular video up tomorrow, potentially working on a new piece here with PT in the Rug Rug situation and one championship getting some coverage there. Really good stuff. You guys are awesome. We will see you on the next live chat. Peace out, homies.